tall and she grew up right with them Indiana boys on an Indiana night. The Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student-athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today, we're going to throw you a little bit of curveball. I have with me today executive assistant to Coach Bobby Knight, Mary Ann Davis, who's worked with Coach Knight from 1976, but was also with IU in other capacities before going with Coach Knight. Mary Ann, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, help keep the nostalgia alive and, and share your stories of uh, Indiana basketball. Well, thank you. I'm pleased that you asked me. Mary Ann, where were you born and raised? And tell us a little bit about your family. I was born and raised in Bloomington, Indiana, and I have an older brother, a younger sister, and a younger brother. There's four of us in the family. And, and did did you get a did you get a love of basketball? Did you play sports, or when did you, did you like basketball growing up, or uh, what was it like? Did you follow IU when you were a kid? You know, I did. My mother was a huge basketball fan and, of course, IU basketball fan, and she watched all the games when I was growing up, so that's where I got my love of it. My dad was not interested in sports at all, but she absolutely loved it. How did you get it? How did you start working at Indiana University? Well, I returned to Indiana from California. My ex-husband was in the Navy, and I applied at IU and got a job right away at the IU alumni office. I worked for Dick Clawson and Constituent Societies. And then Max Gervin, who was the um, color person for IU football and basketball. And that's how I started. I worked there for four years before I started working for Coach Knight. And, and, and how did that open up to work for Coach Knight, and what was it like meeting him for the first time? Well, I was a little bit nervous meeting him for the first time. Um, how it came about is his secretary, who also had worked for 
Lou Watson was leaving. She was having her first child. Her name was Linda Steins. And they were having trouble finding someone to work for Coach Knight. It needed to be someone with, a, you know, the proper personality or the perfect personality to work with him. And um, I guess that was me because one of my friends who worked at the um, foundation, Jerry Carty, he knew me and knew what kind of person I was. His office was right next door. And so he approached me and asked me if I would be interested And I said no initially because I really liked Max and loved working for him. And he finally convinced me to at least go over and meet Coach Knight, which I did on a Saturday morning. And um, I liked him immediately. He wasn't anything like I'd, I'd heard on the news or people portrayed him to be. And he evidently liked me because he offered me the job that following Monday, and I started working for him about two weeks later. And when you started working with him, was that, were you nervous getting ready to start? Or when you did start, did it kind of just, uh, did you guys just kind of, uh, did it just kind of, did you just kind of roll with it? And was it fun at the beginning? Well, I just kind of rolled with it. I mean, my first day on the job, I just, you know, I walked in and, you know, there was no one there to guide me through anything. I just sat down at my desk and started looking things over. And, uh, he came in probably around 10 o'clock and, um, um, you know, then we just started our relationship from there. It was kind of a bad year, so he was, you know, pretty much quiet, spent a lot of his time downstairs in the locker room, so didn't really get to know him all that well that year, even though we worked together. It was after that that uh, things started to settle down and, and we got comfortable with one another. And, and that was the year after the perfect season, correct? That is right, yes. Uh, they won the championship that that previous uh, April, and I started working for him in December. Marianne, when you watch, like a couple years ago, Kentucky had the opportunity to run the table and go undefeated. When you watch basketball and you watch these teams get close to the record that they had, that 32-0, and are you kind of rooting for that team to get beat? Oh, of course I am. I mean, I actually get even a little bit down, you know, thinking, oh, no, I don't want them to do it. Please, no. (laughs) So definitely I root against them, and I was so happy (laughs) that Kentucky didn't break it this last time. Nothing against people from Kentucky or went to Kentucky, but, uh, well, maybe, maybe so. Of course not. You know, I just I just don't want anyone to to go past the the perfect team. That's it. You know, I don't think, you know, it's kind of like this year when the Carolina Panthers and the NFL finally got beat, you know, I'm sure uh I'm sure the uh, Miami Dolphins from 1974 were celebrating, but you know, I don't I don't think the 76 team is probably like that. They just move along and what happens happens. Well, they do, but I I think Probably deep down, they don't want that to be broken either. I mean, they. Uh, I mean, it's a perfect season, and it's a it's a great group, unique group of of guys. They're all wonderful, and um, I just don't want anything to happen to that. So it was a difficult season. There were some some issues, and some players were uh, left the team. Uh, but Bob, our coach, Knight, kept his composure, and uh, uh, it, I mean. I mean, how do you go from a perfect season and then have a rough season that you guys had that following year? So evidently he kept his composure. And uh, what was he like during that season? Well, it was a difficult season because it was our worst year ever. We were 14 and 13 and we had the five players that quit. And, 
it was just really difficult, all the things we were dealing with, plus the press was just, um, you know, they were on us all the time calling, and and it was just really um, a hard year. For for that to be my first year, and, and I made it through that, I think I can make it through anything. You know, I, I uh, Kent Benson, a wonderful human being, uh, Indiana Mr. Basketball, first-round draft pick, Fabulous guy. Did you, uh, was, tell us about some of the players that were on that team that you first started in your first year. Did, did you interact with any of the players, or did you have a favorite player those first couple of years that you were there? I would have to say Kent was my favorite. Um, you know, I didn't really interact with them much at that time. Our office was in the main athletic facility, and the locker room was downstairs, and the coaches and the players were mostly down there. But Kent would come up to the office and, you know, coach would call him up and they would talk. And, and I got to know Kent that way. And he was always one of my favorites. Uh, Derek, what was your favorite season uh, working with for Coach Knight while you were at Indiana University? Oh, that's hard to say. I mean, of course, the championship years, 81 and, and uh, 87, that was wonderful. And, you know, traveled both to Philadelphia and New Orleans. So that was, that was unbelievable. Marianne, what, when while you were working for Coach Knight, uh, what you know, what kind of phone calls would you get from people that you would normally never talk to, or maybe you were even talking to them on the phone, and you're like, I can't believe I'm actually talking to this person, or is this a prank call that somebody wants to uh, communicate with Coach Knight? Oh gosh, there are so many. I mean, uh, President Bush, both Bushes. Uh, Let's see, actors, you know, uh, Nick Nolte, uh, Daniel Baldwin, uh, Clarence Thomas, Supreme Court Justice. Um, gosh, there are so many, it's hard to name them all offhand. But, yeah, I, I mean, uh, David Letterman, you know, they did a skit with Coach Knight on there one night. And he was a lot of fun. And uh, Jay Leno. Uh, they're just an awful lot to name. I, I can't think of all of them offhand, but there are so many because he knows people from all over and all sports figures, too. And, and, and did you take any of those phone calls kind of like, I can't believe I'm talking to this person, or is this really a true phone call? Did it take you a while to get used to taking those kind of calls? Oh, it did. I was really nervous, especially David Letterman at first. You know, that was really hard. Um, but, yeah, there were a lot of sports figures, too. I mean, you're talking about people like Arnold Palmer and um, – all the golf people, and I'm um, trying to think of some of their names right now. I'm, I'm at a loss, but, um, you know, Pete Rose, uh, just all kinds of people from all over. He knows so many people from all the celebrity golf tournaments he was involved in and just his uh, experience and his uh, past in, in athletics. There are so many. It, it, did, it was hard to get used to. You know, uh, uh, Coach Knight and, and – mainstream media is uh you know they point out the, the chair and a couple other things and show his anger side but he's really has a uh a, a kind side and there is tons of stuff that i'm assuming that he has done that is not touted or anything else for charity and and i i don't think the library would be around at indiana university if it probably wasn't for coach knight no, that's true. I mean, he was very passionate about that, and he would even do speaking engagements, and um, he would receive money for uh, for whatever event he did, and he would always donate it to the IU Library Fund. And he does have a kind side. That's what people don't see uh, of him. You know, I I have seen that over the years. In fact, people will say, well, how can you work for somebody that's so mean? 
And I would reply by saying, you know, if he's that bad, do you really think I would be with him as long as I have been? He is just a very kind person, and, and that's why I respect him, because I'm kind of the same way. He tells it like it is. He's not politically correct. And you always know where you stand with him, and I like that. And I think that's why we get along so well. Was it something, too, could he flip the switch from uh, uh, the team having a bad game and then, you know, and chatting with you? Is it something that he could turn off and on his, uh, his kind of, you know, his passion for how the team played well or, or, uh, or not well? Right. I mean, he could, he, he's one of those people that can instantly get upset about whatever it is. And then, you know, five minutes later, he's, he's fine and he's forgotten all about it. So if you get on his bad side and, and he yells at you, then, um, you know, in an hour, he's totally forgotten it and everything's okay. Uh, take us through your duties of the day. What, what would you do for the basketball team and for Coach Knight on a daily basis? Well, when I first started there, I was the only person working. So I was basically in charge of um, handling all the bus reservations for the team for road, for road games and uh, hotels and uh, just taking phone calls and taking dictation and typing letters and was pretty much left on my own. He would tell me what he wanted me to do and I would take care of it. And then as, you know, things got, we got more successful and, and there was a lot more to do, then our trainer helped me out with the bus transportation and the hotels, and I could mainly concentrate on all the correspondence and phone calls and things that I needed to do for Coach Knight. But my duties with him were varied because, I mean, I, I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. Every day was different, it seemed like. I mean, you had some of the same normal things, but every day was different in the situations you had to deal with. Did you also uh, go through the mail? Oh, yes. I opened, I got the mail, and I opened it and gave him the, uh, the things that were important and uh, the fan mail, and then people who wrote nasty letters, he would never see those. They would go on file 13. <laughs> well, what were some of the letters like? Were, were there any outrageous requests, or were there some letters you're like, uh, I, I can't believe this person is asking this, or were there any letters like I asked you about people that you've talked to on the phone from, you know, from, from dignitaries, from uh, actors, presidents, politicians? Oh, he got letters like that all the time, all the time. And then I think when we were we were searching for an assistant basketball coach, the funniest thing I ever remember is uh, a guy sent in his letter asking about the job, and he also sent a package with like a, a mannequin's arm in it. And he said, I would give my left arm to work for you. <laughs> and I will never forget that. I, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, do you remember when he was approached about doing uh, the porcelain doll? About doing what? You remember the porcelain doll that uh, I think it was Tom Alberts made of him? Uh, it was about uh, three feet tall, and I'm actually looking at it here in my office. Oh, yes, I have one of those, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of those at my house, and I actually had it out for a while, but it was just, I don't know, it just kind of, I don't want to say creeped me out, but it was just kind of weird having Coach Knight sitting there looking at me wherever I went, so I had to turn him around. <laughs> yeah, on, that, on that right hand, he has a nice finger pointing at you, doesn't he? 
That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have a set of bookends also? I'm sorry? Do you have a set of the bookends also? I think the same artist did bookends. Oh, yes, I do have those. Absolutely. I have those at my house here in Lubbock. Uh, Marianne, when, when they won the national championship in 81 and 87, were, uh, did, you, did, you get any, did, did you get anything as like a, uh, you know, being a part of the team, like, you know, all the players get rings? Were you offered a ring or did you get a ring? We received pendants. The ladies received pendants, and I do have those. Do you have a, a like a room or a, a office uh, just just for the stuff that you got at IU? I do have. I have an office in my home in Lubbock, and I have some of those things there. Um, I have a Leroy Neiman print uh, that I absolutely adore, and then I have a guest bedroom where most of my memorabilia is. I have chairs. I actually have the chair. It kind of looks like a an ice cream shop chair. It's got a white back to it and a red seat, and it's got IU uh, in metal engraved in the middle of the back of the seat. And that's the chair that Coach Knight sat in. He, he, he got to the point where he would never go into his office and call me in there to give me dictation. He would bring this chair up to my desk, and we would sit there and work at my desk. So when we left IU, it was given to him as a gift. Uh, when we left IU, I took that with me, and I have that in my home here because it just it has special meaning to me. And even when we were in um, in Lubbock at Texas Tech, he did the same thing. He would he actually gave me his office there and and uh, had an office nearby remodeled for himself. And uh, he would sit at my desk and work with me all day. It's just kind of funny how he got into that that mode of uh, working instead of calling me into his office, but I actually liked it. So it worked out great. And, you know, speaking of, you, you brought up Lubbock, how difficult was it or was it very easy when, you know, uh, his uh, term ended there at Indiana university and he went on to Texas tech. How easy was that for you? How hard was that for you to move? Well, that was very hard because at the time it wasn't just, uh, us leaving IU, it was I was going through a divorce at the time. I had started that the year before, and then uh, all of that happened with Coach at IU. And then, you know, he asked me if I would go with him if he got another job, and I immediately said yes. And um, and then whenever he did get the job, and he asked me to come down, of course, you know, I said I would. And then I got to thinking, oh, you know, what am I doing? I'm leaving all my friends and family. And it was very hard, but then I, I told myself that, well, I can go. I might regret it if I don't. I'll go, and if I don't like it, I can always move back. So that's what happened, but, you know, changing jobs, leaving all my friends and family, moving to a new state, new city. Granted, it was basically the same job, but you're working with different people. And everything was different. So it was very hard, and plus I'm all, you know, I was all alone in Lubbock, too. Everybody I knew was back in Indiana. Uh, do you have children? I do have. I have two boys. Uh, the oldest is Ryan. He is a physician's assistant uh, here in New Mexico, and he just got out of the Air Force back in February. Any grandchildren? And then my youngest, I'm sorry? Uh, any grandchildren? Uh, yes, he has two daughters. One will. One is nine, and the other just turned three. And then my youngest son works for Pepsi Frito-Lay, and he was just transferred from Frisco, Texas, to Phoenix, Arizona. 
and he has two daughters, and they are two and a half and one year old. Marianne, when you, did you travel? Did you get to go to the White House things when uh, you guys won national championships in '81 and '87? No, I did not do that. No, it was just basically the team and uh, you know the the men's staff. Did you find it interesting or funny that your office ended up being on Indiana Avenue in Lubbock? I did, and not only that, but our building was in between Indiana and the other street is University. So we're in between Indiana University. How different was it between Indiana University and Texas Tech? Uh, was he mellower at the time once he got to Texas Tech University? Was it still the same? Or what was the atmosphere and what was the uh, people like at Texas Tech compared to uh, when you were uh, in the, at Indiana University? Well, I think the people are basically the same. I mean, no matter where you go, there are good people, people you like, and then difficult people. Uh, but we seem to have a little, a few more difficult people at IU when we when we left there. But he he was, um, you know, he was he's really uh, mellow unless he's dealing with somebody that's difficult. You know, if they're trying to bait him or give him a hard time, of course he's not going to sit there and take it. Um, but here people, you know, he, he dealt with some really good people and Gerald Myers was wonderful. You know, he was a good friend. He was the basketball coach at Texas Tech earlier and he and coach were really good friends. So it was a good relationship down here. So what were your feelings when he decided to uh, hang it up and retire? Well, I was sad. You know, I was sad that his career had ended. And, um, you know, I know he wanted his son, Pat, to have a chance to take over. And Pat did. And I continued to work for Pat and Coach Knight, too. Uh, Coach would still come into the office every day. We'd work at, at my desk. And Pat would come into Coach's old office. So it was it was great. And then uh, Pat was dismissed and went on to Lamar. And then all our staff was let go, too. So everyone that I knew, all of the assistants and their wives, pretty much packed up and left town. The only person that was left here was, uh, he was a former manager, Jason Imes, at Indiana. And he came down here with us to Tech and was our video coordinator. And so he stayed in Lubbock. He married a Lubbock girl, and he's got a little girl. And he now works at Lubbock Christian University as a basketball coach and assistant. Marianne, do you still do stuff for Coach Knight? I do. I work out of my home, and he does his, and we talk on the phone, or I go out to his house and work, or we meet at a restaurant with his wife, and we have dinner, and we work at the table. So that's pretty much um, how we work now. But it's it's a great working relationship. You know, whenever he worked for ESPN, I did all of his travel. He insisted that I do his travel, even though they had their own travel department, just because I I knew what kind of flights he wanted, where he liked to sit on the plane. It was just comfortable for him. So I, I made all of his flights during the time that he worked for ESPN. Marianne, are there, what kind of gifts does Bobby Knight give for birthdays and Christmas? Oh, gosh. Usually <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> You mean to me or to other people? No, no, to you. Oh, he is very generous to me, and it's usually in the monetary form. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard for me to get him anything for a gift because he has everything. I mean, where do you get someone like that? So it's really difficult. 
Is there is there one occasion where I mean, are there any funny stories that you, you remember from your Indiana University days, or or just a, a a time that really just sticks out as being you know you're like you know you know you know what I really enjoy doing this and working for this gentleman. Oh gosh, I I mean I could say that about a lot of things. Uh, I mean he he was. Um, He's very funny and witty. I mean, you never get the last word with him, and he always has a comeback. And he loved to pull jokes on people, and that was probably a lot of fun. Like one time we did a, a thing, uh, Bob Collins was at the Indianapolis Star, and Coach wanted us wanted me to do something, kind of a, a gag thing, to show the different uses for the Indianapolis Star other than just reading it. <laughs> so I took a camera home, and I... <laughs> and I had the Indianapolis Star, so I wadded some up and made a fire <laughs> and uh, recorded that. And then I used it to peel some potatoes. <laughs> and then I used it as I put some paper down on the kitchen floor. We had uh, a miniature dachshund, and we let him use the bathroom on it. And <laughs> 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 and that was probably the funniest doggone thing I've ever done. It was hilarious. And I, at first, when he asked me to do it, I did. I thought, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? And then, you know, as I, I started it, I kept thinking of other things I could use it for. So it was really funny. It was great. He used it for a roast for Bob Collins. Um, did, did he really have that much disdain for the media? Was that an act or really he just couldn't take dumb questions? Well, he really, he really didn't like the silly questions they ask him. And a lot of, you know, news people, you, you know this, they try to bait you. I mean, they try to get you upset about something and they do ask silly questions. And the one thing about Coach is he is so intelligent. Most people don't know that about him. He is very intelligent and analytical and he has no time or doesn't want to waste any time on silly questions. And, so he just told them that. You know, and, and the perception is the Indiana and Purdue University rivalry is big and everybody, uh, Purdue hates IU, IU hates Purdue. Was that the reality uh, while at IU or is that, was Purdue just another team to play? Uh, no, I think that was the reality. <laughs> I know, I know for me, you know, I, uh, and I would say a lot of people, and I'm sure they felt the same way about us because it was a rivalry. But then after we left IU, then I found myself rooting for Purdue, and I still do, and I love Gene Cady. He is such a great guy, and we still have a relationship with him. Um, so, you know, now I'm, I'm perfectly okay rooting for Purdue. Was there a te- was there a particular team that if he if he beat if, if the uh, the Hoosiers beat that team was he in a, just a spectacular mood the next time that you saw him? Well, he was pretty much that way with all games because he's so competitive. Right. You know, every every game meant something to him. But of course, you know, beating Purdue that was always the icing on the cake. What does Marianne Davis do in her uh, free time and fun time? In my free time, I basically, I like to do anything outdoors. I like to bike and hike, garden. I work out every day at the gym. Uh, just things like that. I read. Uh, just anything outdoors I absolutely love. I, I hate being stuck inside. 
Marianne, I know, I know you were so kind to uh, give us a, a, a half hour today, but uh, all through your career had uh, the media and everybody been hounding you to actually, you know, just kind of like we talked about Coach Knight and the media to uh, try to get bad stuff out of you, or uh, uh, did you have to say no a lot? I have had to say no a lot. I mean, I just, if someone contacted me from a radio station, I just would hide. I did not want to. I mean, I would tell them no, but they would just keep after me and after me and after me. In fact, I have a good friend in northern Indiana, and he wanted me to be on his friend's radio show. And I'm sure it probably would have been okay, but I just I just said no. I didn't want to do it. So this is the first time. You're the first person that's gotten me to say yes. <laughs> awesome. Marianne, I'm going to only ask you, I've got time for a couple more questions. I'm going to ask you one difficult question, and I'll be interested to see someone ask me to ask you this, and that is, um, are there any autographs of Coach Knight out there that you actually did yourself? Are there any what? You know, when you would sign a letter, would you ever sign the letter for Coach Knight? Did he have a stamp? Uh, no, he had a stamp. Okay. So, Marianne, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us on uh, the uh, Keeping the Nostalgia Live, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. It was a pleasure. Uh, I think everyone will enjoy this. Uh, Coach Knight, uh, like I said, uh, uh, and growing up, I went to Broadpool High School, and Gene Ring was my athletic director. He played for Branch McCracken, coached with Branch McCracken, and, and of course, Coach Knight got a couple players from uh, Broadpool High School. And uh, when I had my right. yeah, and when I had my son, I, I named him Andrew Robert Montgomery. And uh, coach, I know, I think that's wonderful. <laughs> and, and Coach was uh, nice enough, and I'm sure you probably got the uh, correspondence to send. Uh, uh, Andy, uh, uh, an autographed picture and basketball. So, you know, I, I love the guy. I look up to the guy, and I thank you for spending some time with us to to uh, uh, share your history with him and with the game of basketball at both Texas Tech and Indiana University. And I thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and he is a, a wonderful man. I, I would not be working for him if he was otherwise. So uh, I have a lot of respect and admiration for him. It's just, it's unbelievable the, the number that I dealt with. I think you were Even in uh, New York at one of the uh, NIT postseason tournaments, you know, I sat with Brian Dennehy, the guy that portrayed him in the movie. Ooh. And, I mean, I have met all these wonderful people, and they've done really nice things for me. It's just been, it's just been an unbelievable career with him. What was, uh, what was his uh, uh, outlook on the movie that they did on him? What was his outlook? What uh, you know on the movie, the uh, season on the brink. Was it? A, did he? Did he like that they did that, or was he against doing that? Well, you know, Coach is the kind of person he really. I know people will hide, find this hard to believe, but he does not like attention on himself. He doesn't like if I tell him something. Oh, you know, congratulations on winning that or getting this, or he dismisses it. You know, it's like he doesn't want the attention on himself. So I don't even know that he watched it. I mean, maybe he did, but he never said anything. 